Today, I'm going to talk about canceling your significant others. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your parents, your spouse, your husband, your wife, maybe even your children. Pretty soon, you might have to cancel your son or daughter. Maybe they're your adult children. If you have to cancel your adult children, you failed as a parent. You fucking failed. But it's okay. We all fail a lot in life. If there is one constant in life, it's failure. You learn your lessons, and you move on. Try to do better next time. But you might have to cancel your, ch- your children who are actual children. And that you don't have to feel bad about. You're not to blame. You didn't have the time to teach them how to conduct themselves in the coming new world order. And I'm not talking about canceling your significant others because of their online conduct or history. If you cancel the people you love because of something they tweeted while they were on Ambien or because they posted a black square on Instagram on the Thursday after Blackout Tuesday, then you are a piece of shit. Most people still live their lives in the really real world. And don't check out your boring Instagram stories every day. I'm not talking about the online shit. The current wave of cancel culture. I'm talking about canceling your significant others because of their shitty fitness level. Canceling your significant others because they are useless in an emergency. I'll give you an example. A couple years ago, I was at this uh, this little holiday party at one of the gyms I used to work at. I guess this is one I still work at. And uh, it's kind of like a yearly anniversary of the opening of the business slash holiday party. Um, so the girl who owns the gym, she's really great. She'll kind of like turn the lights off, decorate it. Um, you know, mostly people show up once a year in actual real clothes. So you see what people look like, not in fucking yoga pants. Uh, and it's fun. You know, it's a pretty, uh, diverse group of people who go there. I'm not talking, you know racially, although that is the case, but, you know, age-wise, um, it's actually, it's not as diverse, now that I'm thinking about it, it's mostly women who go here, um, but there's a few dudes, and then the women bring their boyfriends, and, you know, the ages range from early 20s to late 70s, uh, it's a real community, which, uh, I generally try to avoid, communities, but I realize that they are important in your life, and uh, 
I do maintain links with a handful of different communities. I'm still kind of on the edge. I'm on the outside, but, you know, I don't want to turn into a cranky old man. So I'll go to the random happy hour occasionally. Or this yearly party. So I'm at this particular party. This is maybe two, three years ago. And uh, one of the girls who used to be my gym crush for that place, I loved her. I wanted to fake marry her and let her have my imaginary babies. Um, She came up to me and said, hey, Patrick, can you show my boyfriend how to do a pull-up? And I'm looking at her. Like, I mean, there's a pull-up bar right there. First of all, I'm not really dressed to do a bunch of pull-ups. I don't like to do fitness, you know, during non-specified fitness times. <laughs> I'm not. I'm over that shit. Like, I did that for a living, you know, where the world was my gym. Yeah. I did that for about 15 years. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm like, this is not workout time. I'm not doing any pull-ups. Too old for that shit. I don't feel the need to show off in that way. It's ridiculous. There's always somebody else who can do more pull-ups than you. It's, it's not, you're not impressing anybody. Um, but mostly I was taken aback by her asking me to show her boyfriends how to do one and first of all you you grab the bar you pull yourself up you know it's a there's not a whole lot of technique to it um and if you're some sort of like fitness person or trainer or something listening to this and you immediately go well actually there's lots of things shut your mouth it's not a snatch (laughs) you grab the bar you pull yourself up Shut your mouth. Well, there's actually a lot of, you know, you pull your scapula back. Shut up. Shut your mouth. You can do one or you can't. And if you can't, keep trying until you can. That's how you do a pull-up. And the pull-up is interesting. It was a big deal because I was a fat kid. And whenever we had these presidential fitness tests, you could not, I could not ever do one. I'm just hanging on the bar. My little chubby legs are pumping, and I'm going nowhere on that thing. So when I finally lost the weight, and I could do a couple pull I found that once I was lighter, I could just do some pull-ups. And that first pull-up is the hardest. Once you can do one, then being able to do more is easy, because you have a place to start. If you can't do one, it's tough. But if you're a fat fuck like I was, losing weight... <laughs> is a big help. So I dropped 80 pounds and suddenly I could do a couple pull-ups and then a couple became 10 and then 10 became 20. Um, but uh, I think this was the first time I got to look at this, my, cr- my gym crush's boyfriend and uh, he was not fat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if you can't do a pull-up, what are you dating him for? What the fuck are you doing with him? And this is going to be 
sexist, maybe, but I don't give a fuck. If you're a woman and you're head, let's say, eh, let's say lesbians too. If you're a woman and if your significant other cannot carry you out of a building in the case of a fire, you need to cancel them. I'd say if you're a man and if your woman can at least drag you down a couple flights of stairs if you happen to be incapacitated, let's say you got a bunch of smoke inhalation or, uh, you know, there's an earthquake and something fell, hit you on the head and, you know, you're knocked out or otherwise unable to get yourself to safety. And if your woman can at least grab you by the arms and drag you to a safe place, fucking cancel them. What are you doing? If you're going to go through life in this partnership and you can't depend on that partner for a basic thing, they got to go. They got to fucking go. So I did not tell her this. <laughs> my gym crush. I think I just gave her a perplexed look and was thinking, so you're fucking that guy, but not me? And I immediately lost interest in her. That That was the result of that. I immediately crush was over uh and now i now she married that dude and uh she had a kid recently um the kid is fucking adorable um you know she was indian i don't know if i really had a big crush on her it probably wouldn't have worked out because clearly she had a lot of uh anxiety but i do have an Indian girl fetish, so that probably had a lot to do with it as well. Personality-wise, I don't think we would have worked out. She's, you know, she's an anxious little bunny, but, uh, you know, she's brown and sexy, so (laughs) I definitely fetishized her a bit, and, you know, she's really nice, too. She was cool, but I think long-term, it probably wouldn't have worked out. I would have gotten fed up most women get fed up with me, so, but, you know, it would have been fun for a couple of weeks at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I was willing. I'm more than willing to get messy in life, you know. It's pretty rarely that I actually regretted dating somebody, even if it ended badly. I at least have some fond memories. Um... But yeah, crush was over because I was appalled at her choice in partner. Um, And I hope now that the world is turning upside down, shit is hitting the fan uh, and we may be on the, the brink of a global collapse I really hope that she's looking at her now husband 
and regretting that poor decision she made three years ago. The poorest decision of all being that she never had sex with me. I really hope she's regretting that. Because with pandemic, riots in the streets, economy collapsing, she should have dated a dude who could do at least one pull-up. And it's not just physical fitness either. Actually, it's it's less... That's part of it. But more importantly, uh, emotional and psychological fitness is more important when you're choosing who is going to be close to you. And you don't have to be fucking them. But just anyone you're eventually going to want on your team of hypothetical zombie killers, emotional, psychological stability is the most important. And physical fitness is really just a product of that. If you're not physically strong, you're certainly not mentally strong. 90% of the time. Now, just because you're physically strong, that certainly does not mean that you are psychologically or emotionally strong. There are a lot of fucking crazies who will fall apart at the the slightest push on their ego who can do lots of pull-ups. So physically fit does not mean mentally fit. Um... And there's something I kind of learned this in the army. The more physically fit you are, the more physically strong, kind of the less mentally strong you have to be. Uh, And if you're less physically strong, mentally it's harder. Just because when you're tired, your brain starts breaking down. So I'll take that back. It definitely is possible to be mentally and psychologically emotionally strong and not be in the best of physical shape that is possible but it does make it harder when things get tough um but cancel culture is in uh full swing right now they're really people are dropping left and right from their white collar jobs it's only really affecting the, the white collar white world um for the most part because, you know, the working class has other shit to care about. And it's really only benefiting the upper classes of minorities and women, maybe. Like, I don't think any waitresses at TGI Friday are getting a leg up because of cancel culture. Um, because we're canceling the wrong people. And we're canceling the wrong people because the proponents and perpetrators of cancel culture are emotionally and psychologically weak. How many actual racists and misogynists have lost their jobs because of Me Too? Or now there's the, I think we're naming it the... uh, the, microaggression me too or the me too for microaggressions like how many real real 
racists and misogynists have suffered, have their lives turned upside down. Not many. Not many in the last couple weeks. Mostly it's like a generational divide. Some young kids will get the editor at their newspaper to resign or some shit over... Over what? (laughs) Because you let a senator put an essay in the New York Times? Like, okay. You felt your lives were endangered because of an essay? Because he advocated that, like, the military should come in to stop the protests. And, you know, for the record, that dude's wrong. Completely wrong. He's an idiot. But it doesn't mean his op-ed shouldn't be out there for everybody to read. Like, how do you argue against something if nobody can see it? I just have to take your word for it that you read it and you're relaying what he said accurately to me. So the editor of a newspaper who is definitely a lefty at the New York Times... He's just an older school lefty like me. He's probably a 90s lefty like me where, you know, we were brought up in a a meritocracy. But now meritocracy is a dirty word because, uh, you know, if, if we talk in terms of a meritocracy, suddenly we are showing our, our white fragility. <laughs> That great that great essay. Cancel culture now is really just like a drone from the Obama era firing a hellfire missile at a wedding party. Maybe you got a terrorist. But at what cost? How many other ch- how many children had to die? Speaking of children, don't forget you may have to cancel your children. Not because of anything on Twitter, but because they can't keep up. Their little legs just can't keep up with you when you're trying to beat down the cops. Or when the the hillbillies from uh, rural Oregon are running through your city looking for Antifa who they don't find, so they just start shooting at you. <laughs> Your kid's going to keep up? You're going to pick him up and carry him and run? I mean, you can always have more kids. The world is approaching a full-on meltdown. Pandemic, economic upheaval, race riots, civil unrest. Maybe this is the worst of it. Maybe we'll inch back from the brink. Probably we will. It might get a little bit worse, a little bit more crazy, and then people don't like that. As much as some people think they want it, people don't want that. As soon as we, uh, as soon as we stop having rolling as soon as we start having rolling brownouts people's food goes bad in the fridge 
I don't know. People are going to get on board with getting shit back back in working order pretty quick. That's my prediction. Maybe not, but I don't think it's going to get too much work for the too much worse than this. It's still pretty good compared to how bad it could be. I'm pretty sure most people listening have not been to Somalia. I've been to Somalia. It's still pretty good here. Um. So we're probably going to, you know, it probably won't get much worse, but it might. And even if it doesn't get worse now, this is just a taste of what's to come in the next 10, 20, 30 years. You guys remember the environment? Remember climate change? We haven't really been talking about that for the last couple of weeks, but that's not going anywhere. Are you prepared physically, emotionally, and psychologically to survive and thrive in the near future? There's really no predicting what the next few decades are going to be like. And that's why you should start canceling the weak links in your life now. Like I have a pretty wide and interesting mix of people in my life at the moment. I have a lot of varied interests, and my job eh, my job also brings me into con- into contact with like a wide range of economic classes and races, sexual orientations, blah blah blah. Although most everyone is still a liberal Democrat. <laughs> There's not a lot of political diversity. Um, but I do have a few who aren't. I got a few people, a couple clients who are, uh, you know, conservative Republicans, but they're more Bush era Republicans. I don't really have any hardcore Trump supporters. Like I, I try to keep a few conservatives in my circle just so I'm not totally inundated in this liberal bubble. Cause I was as taken by surprise as Trump being elected as everybody else in this goddamn town in DC because I'd been here too long and I, you know, I should have known I lived in Texas. I lived in Tennessee. I lived in Florida, Arizona. I should have fucking known, (laughs) but you know, I got, I got comfortable in my liberal democratic Northwest DC bubble. So I really try to keep my ear to the, uh, the other side of things. I don't even know if I can call it the other side anymore. I'm, I'm way more in the middle now. Mostly the left has gone way left and I haven't. So I guess I'm more in the middle now. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I still, I don't really know any hardcore Trump supporters because those are hard to find in DC um, and most everyone in my circle of acquaintances, I describe as what I consider soft, even though a surprising number of them are now gun owners. Like up until pretty recently, everyone was bitching and crying about the second amendment and how we need to abolish it. And as soon as things get a little interesting, they all rushed out to Virginia and got themselves a gun that they don't know how to load. 
let alone disassemble and clean and reassemble again. And I've been getting a lot of comments lately from uh, the softy liberals in my life about how they're glad to know me, not because they really like me, (laughs) but because of my military experience and how in these times of troubles, how calm and unconcerned I am during this period of unrest. And I've been getting a lot of questions about survival and crisis response and management. All the wrong questions, by the by. Like, what what do we do if the police get defunded? Like, I would even know the answer to that. Um, and none of them seem to understand what defunded really means. And these liberals, none of them even want it. Uh, that's a big rallying cry lately. Let's defund the police. No one even knows what that means. And... The people saying it, most of them don't even want it because they're still mostly relatively wealthy white liberals and they're still scared of black people, Um, even though they won't admit it. I'm, I'm kind of for defunding the police. Get rid of them. Fuck it. I would like DC to be to to be like it's uh, going on in Seattle now for the Chaz, the uh, the the Capitol Hill, uh, what is it? Ch- uh, autonomous zone. <laughs> you just have Antifa kids, you know, taking credit for the police abandoning their police station and then handing out free donuts or whatever the fuck they're doing there. (laughs) Let's set up demonstrations outside a police neighborhood in one of the wealthiest sections of one of the most expensive cities to live in. And let's make the police leave (laughs) from this already extremely low crime neighborhood. And then we're going to pass out free donuts and declare victory. Like, I don't even know if if Bush would have had the balls for that when he declared victory for Iraq. (laughs) When the war had really just started. That's some ballsy shit. Um, Where was that? Oh, yeah, defunding the police. So most liberals don't. They don't want that. They need the police to protect them from all the scary black people. And some of them... They're clearly feeling me out to see like if I'm going to be a valuable resource to them if and when things get really bad. Like it's starting to feel like an episode of Survivor. Like they want to form a coalition with me against the other people on the island. And to all of these people, I'm going to say this. You are canceled. You're fucking canceled. If and when shit gets really bad, like, you know, like Escape from New York bad, like Snake Plissken bad, you motherfuckers are on your own. I don't want your soft asses on my team. You fucking anxious little bunnies who need an Ambien to fall asleep and a fucking Adderall to wake up. There's no way. What am I going to do? I'm going to come to your house 
and teach you how to use your gun. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You're canceled. You can't do a pull-up. You're canceled. You take regular medications. You're canceled. You take antidepressants. You're canceled. Take anti-anxiety medication. You're canceled. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not going to stop and wait for you to find your asthma inhaler when the zombies are chasing us. Here's what I learned in uh, in uh, Army Scuba School. You don't have to swim faster than the shark. You just have to swim faster than your buddy. You got to keep up, bitch. I'm not going to stop and wait. While you tie your shoelace when the zombies are coming. Or when the cops are coming. Or when we're chasing the cops. When we're chasing, when we're finding the cops who threw away their uniforms. You know, it's kind of like the Nazis threw away their uniforms. And, you know, we're trying to hide in, in regular society. You know, and we're all hunting them down. I'm, I'm not going to stop and wait for you. We got cops to kill. We got Nazi cops to kill. A lot of you are not really not going to like me after I say this next part, but you're probably going to have to cancel your dog. Your dog's a liability. It's fucking useless. It's only good for food. Unless it's a real dog, you know, like a dog that can do a pull-up. <laughs> Some sort of shepherd mix. You know, that can at least warn you of danger, can keep up on a run and then warn you of danger. That has some relative function. And then if you really need to, you can eat the dog. You're fucking Labradoodle. No. You're fucking... I know this girl. She's got the cutest goddamn dog. It's so cute. And it would totally get canceled. <laughs> it's some sort of like poodle pinkinies. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's adorable. It's cute. It's so excited to see you. It's like a little fuzzball. That thing is lunch. <laughs> that thing is lunch. Here's who. Here's who's not going to be in my team. Anybody who reviews video games is done. This is uh, June seventeenth. On June nineteenth video game is coming out that I've been looking forward to for years called The Last of Us 2. And I've been waiting a while. It's been delayed a couple times. I really enjoyed the first game. It was great. Great story. Great characters. It was fucking awesome. Um, the second version's coming out. And I don't know. This is like... It's like a new Star Wars movie coming out now. It's like... I fucking... I'm not a fan of Star Wars, but... Um, I do kind of feel for some, some, some sympathy for people who make the new Star Wars is because they got to put up with these fucking shitty fanboys and trolls who are just trying to drum up controversy, controversy because it's a popular movie and you can, you can glom on and kind of snag a little attention for yourself if you, I don't know, if you're upset that a character is an Asian lesbian or something. 
<laughs> so, uh, and this particular video game, it's like that. It's, you know, it's going to make way more money than Star Wars 2, probably. Um, some of these games are just monsters of entertainment. Um, but, so this game has been getting it from all sides. Uh, it's getting it from the the nerdy little white kids on the right, all the white, typical nerdy white male gamers, incel kids who are upset because like the main character in this particular game is a lesbian and she looks like a boy and she doesn't have big tits and they're upset that, you know, whatever. (laughs) And there may or may not be like a couple trans characters in the game and this is a big travesty, travesty to them, which I doubt is actually true because most of this, most of these online controversies are just completely made up. They're just made up by people who don't give a shit. They're just trying to create a scandal because it's fun for them. And I kind of appreciate that. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate some, a little good trolling, you know, as long as no innocents are actually hurt. Um, you know, it, it's like if Antifa and the Proud Boys want to get together and have a brawl, go for it. I don't give a fuck. I'll show up to watch. Uh, I'll watch some lame douchey dudes who really want to join a club, mix it up with some lame douchey skinny dreadlock he she's who want to mix it up that sounds great to me those are consenting lame adults agreeing to brawl that's cool with me and if it happens online in the same space that's cool too and then on the left all all the all the lefty gamers are upset with this particular game last of us too because i don't know there's not enough trans people in the game or something like that or Oh, most of them are upset because you may have to kill some fake dogs in the game. Everyone seems to be really upset about how they have to play this game. And, you know, you don't have to kill the dog, but it's really hard to make it through this particular part of the game if you don't kill the dog. And I'm a dog owner and and it's like, it's not real. The dogs aren't real. The dogs aren't real. Look, I don't want to kill a dog either, but I would. And I'm going to kill a lot of dogs when I play this fucking game on Friday. I'm going to purposely kill every dog in the game, whether I have to or not, because they're not real. And I don't care how much, you know, they cry and whine in the game because they're not real. And yeah, maybe I'll feel bad. It's not like I don't kill fake people. It's not like I kill fake people in a video game and not feel bad about it. Yeah, I play Grand Theft Auto. And if I accidentally run over some old lady when I'm running from the cops, I go, oh, shit, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, lady. I do feel a little pang of regret. And that is why the game is awesome. Because it makes you feel things. That's why video games have elevated themselves to real art. And I had to stop reading reviews for this latest game, this Last of Us 2 game, because half the headlines are like, The Last of Us 2 is, is an amazing game, and it's not fun, and I loved it. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not fun? Why would you play something that's not fun? And I don't believe them. I don't believe 
that they're not having fun playing the game. I've played games where I don't have fun. You know what I do? I don't play the game anymore. I go, this game sucks. It's not fun. And not that a game is hard. Sometimes a game is really great and it can get really difficult and you're trying to figure out the angle and you keep dying and you got to keep starting over. But then when you make it past it, that's the fun part. And sometimes in the middle of it, I'll just turn the game off because I'm not having fun. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to do something else. I'll come back tomorrow the next day and see, you know, fresh start. Maybe tackle this problem from a fresh angle. That's not what they're talking about when they say the game's not fun. It's almost like if you have to read, you know, what you have to read Ulysses. (laughs) Ulysses is not fun to read. It's not fun at all. That's why I never finished it. I tried it a couple of times. I never had fun. Didn't finish it. Not in the way like Shakespeare. Shakespeare's fun. Sometimes Shakespeare is hard to understand. There's some historical references you don't get, but you can look them up to get the context. Sometimes, you know, the verse, there's like, there's a turn of phrase. You're a little confused. You think about it. That's fun. I enjoy that. It's not like the challenge. I mean, if something isn't challenging, it isn't fun. That's not what they're talking about. They're just saying it isn't fun because there's a lot of murder and there's a lot of killing. And I guess the game sort of tries to make you examine that, which is really not groundbreaking. All most modern good video games make you examine all the murder and mayhem you do. Uh, I think they feel they have to say it's not fun so they don't seem like a bad person. Meanwhile, you know, violent video games are the most popular entertainment genres in the fucking world. Like, I've never really played Call of Duty, but that's a massive fucking game. There's hundreds of millions of people playing Call of Duty. Maybe a billion, I don't know. But because you're writing an article and you can't say you had fun killing lots of people and dogs, I'm very certain I'm going to have a great time killing people and dogs in this game. And anybody who writes a video game review, you're canceled. Create something. Who's writing reviews anyway? Who's a reviewer? You're canceled. You're weak. You're not on my team. Who else is canceled? Who else is canceled? Who else is annoying me lately? Oh, you know who's canceled? Speaking of cancel culture. Anyone uh, in the last few weeks who's been basically bullying all their followers into, into posting some sort of like Black Lives Matter thing online, you're canceled. And I'm not saying I don't support Black Lives Matter. Definitely support it. I've donated. I marched, protested, donated a little bit of money. Look, I'm, I don't really have a job right now, so I could hold on to what money I got before I, I, I send some poor black kid to college. But um, the bullying, it's basically cyberbullying. And it's funny. 
you know, I, I mostly on Instagram, I follow mostly comedians I like, and then, you know, maybe a, a hundred or so local comedians in the DC area. And, uh, the rampant cyberbullying that some of the black comedians are doing to the poor, young, autistic white comedians <laughs> is funny. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Uh, there's one particular comedian who's got, she's kind of a big fish in this little DC comedy pond. Um, she's gotten a few like national TV credits, not famous at all, but, and she's great. You know, I've seen her a bunch of times and like, you know, I've definitely been like, Oh, like the first time I actually saw somebody kill in a room, it was this particular comedian, uh, just rolled in middle of a lineup, did a five minute set, murdered people out of the seats people laughing so hard they had to take a lap white people too white people getting out of their seats which i don't think i've seen before or since um really great and i'm not a huge fan of the jokes i don't know that she's the best joke writer and that's what really interest interested me too like it's not the quality of the jokes it's something else that i can't put my finger on and it was very impressive and at that point, I had not been killing that hard. And I was, I thought I'd been doing well. And I saw this girl grow up, just murder. And I go, oh, no, <laughs> I'm not doing well at all. I'm not doing that. Um, so it, it set the bar higher, gave me something to work towards. And lately, I've been, uh, you know, I follow her on Instagram. And she's just been bullying <laughs> everybody <laughs> into, like, in, into putting some sort of empty support you know everyone who's on instagram or twitter i'm sure they see the empty report the the empty uh declaration of support for black lives matter which i don't know it means nothing so you want uh you're gonna bully starbucks okay who kind of historically does not have the best PR when it comes to uh, race relations. Fine. You wanna you wanna bully your local cupcake store into into posting a Black Lives Matter support thing. That fine. Um, why aren't you pressuring DineCore? Why? Where are the? Where's the outcry? Where's the outrage? insisting that Booz Allen Hamilton publicly declare their support for Black Lives Matter or BAE Systems or Raytheon. I haven't seen anything for these companies. Where, where does Blackwater stand on Black Lives Matter? I wonder what Eric Prince, like if we're going to go after people, let's go after real people. You think like what Starbucks is going to hold a hard line and say, no, we're not going to support Black Lives Matter. No, they're going to cave because they have to make sales. Let's go to these companies that don't sell to consumers, who sell to the government. They don't have to cave. You can't boycott. Let's go after companies that you can't boycott. You know, the companies 
that no one has any control over. Let's see what Eric Prince has to say about Blackwater. Blackwater doesn't exist anymore. Whatever the company is called now. They've changed their name so many times. While, while they're building prisons in China that are used to re-educate the Uyghurs, while Eric Prince is doing that, let's all also ask him what he thinks about Black Lives Matter. We should do that. I'll be the first one. I'll do that on my Instagram page. I'm going to hashtag Eric Prince and demand that he show his support for Black Lives Matter. Or what? Or what? Yeah, what are the repercussions if he doesn't? Nothing. We have no control at why. We should have been rioting in the streets 15 years ago. Now it's too late. What are we going to do about Blackwater? That's what's going to happen if we defund the police. Rich communities, they're going to have police. They're going to have police run by Blackwater. Because the rich white communities can afford it. And so there's going to be police. And if you think the police we have now are bad, are not accountable to anybody... Wait until you've got Blackwater dudes roaming the streets who don't answer to the people. They don't answer to voters. They don't answer to politicians. They answer to shareholders. Shareholders don't give a fuck what you think. Shareholders care about their bottom line. They'll be police. Anyone remember what what Blackwater's... uh, attitude towards the treatment of unarmed civilians is it's not good it's not good at all that's that's what will happen if you defund the police and I'm for defunding the police but you can't have no police there will never be no police there will be some kind of police the difference is How do we get a police force that is accountable to us and not to themselves, not to a union, definitely not to anything that resembles like a shareholder share, you know, like a publicly traded company is the worst. Um, and we can't, we can't put pressure on a company like, like Dyncor because their, their consumers are governments. We can't put pressure on Blackwater, really. Indirectly, we can ask our representatives to pass laws, but, I mean, those defense contract companies, they got deep pockets that fund campaigns. They'll just get somebody else elected. That's what we need to be riding in the streets over. And also the Black Lives Matter shit, too, because that's bullshit. I don't know why. Well, I know why, because there was no pandemic, but that shit with Epstein. <laughs> Epstein killing himself. We should have been riding in the streets. Like, if we cared about people. We cared about, like, young girls getting 
taken to an island and fucked by our elected representatives. Why weren't we riding in the streets over that? I'm just saying, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be riding in the streets for Black Lives Matter. We definitely should. But also, <laughs> we need to have constant rolling riots for all this shit. Uh, and we probably will. We probably will. Uh, my prediction is things are going to come back from the brink. But we're getting a little taste. I kind of think 2008 financial crisis was kind of a practice run for this present financial crisis. Because now we got a couple things piling on each other. And uh, maybe, maybe in another 10 years, we'll double down. We'll get another pandemic. We'll get Corona 2. We'll get... 25% unemployment instead of, I think we have 13 or 14 now. And we'll get, uh, we'll get some real rising sea levels. Like we'll lose a bit of Manhattan and most of Miami. Let's just double down, <laughs> double down. So what's the point of this podcast? This podcast is these are these are practice times. These are preparation times. These are the times for everyone to take stock of the choices we've made in our lives leading up to this moment, and which seem good and which seem bad. You don't your choices. You don't really know the value of your choices until shit starts going bad, and shit is going bad right now. It's not as bad as it could be, but it's getting there. And it's probably going to get better for a little bit. But don't forget, don't think it's going to be better from now on until the end of time. Because it won't. This shit happens in cycles. So what have we learned? We've learned that uh, liberals like guns now. (laughs) Liberals are seeing the value in owning guns. Uh, I doubt any of them have taken a proper class. It's funny, like even the liberals that, you know, are okay with guns, but I think there should be like more, uh, you know, more, uh, what's more, more regulation, um, you know, and, and learning how to use a firearm properly, taking a proper class. Um, I don't think any of them have actually taken a class. Well, I guess it's hard with a pandemic. It's classes are probably canceled, but when things open up again, how many of these new gun owners are actually going to schedule time to take a proper firearm safety class? Not many is my guess. Not many. What else have we learned? Um, keep cash. Keep cash on hand. That's the That was a lesson I learned in 2008. Have six months of expenses. Keep it, keep it there, because this Corona shit, this happened quick. We got a first glimpse, and it was like, yeah, man, we'll make it here. It's probably like SARS, probably like MERS, and then within six weeks, shit was shut down. And I am glad that I had six months of expenses in the bank, and so far I haven't had to touch it, but I'm glad I had it because it gave me a nice little little emotional psychological safety net um 
get a gun, have six months of expense. <laughs> I still don't own a gun. This <laughs> is probably arrogance on my part, but I'm like, if I need a gun, I'm just going to take one from one of these, these pussy-ass liberals I know. And I'm a liberal. I like to make fun of liberals, but I'm, I'm definitely a liberal. Um, I do like to keep some conservatives around. Uh, conservative Republicans do make some interesting points worth considering. They're worth hanging around. Actually, I read a really interesting article. I, maybe it's from a book like an article about a book that's coming out how uh how like a, a historical analysis shows that a successful democracy needs a strong conservative party and the argument was the any time there was a revolution and it was possible that that the revolution would uh, would turn the country into a democracy or a republic. Um, it was it was necessary to have a strong conservative party to make it happen, and that the conservative party had a voice in the new political system because if the conservative party didn't normally the conservative party ends up being like the old aristocracy or like the old elite um, for the old regime. And if you don't include them in the new regime, they're going to resist it and they have the power and the resources to make sure that your budding democracy does not happen. They're just going to turn it back into an autocracy, a military dictatorship, something like that. That was pretty interesting. You know, and as most liberals reading it, they don't want to hear that, but you need both. You need both sides. You don't really have to like each other, but just recognize you need both. See, this is the problem when you have like a any majority is suddenly the fringe elements get more of a voice and they pull they pull the rest of the the body politic further to the right or to the left. Or right now we just have both. We've got like our middle is paralyzed and we've just got, we've got a right and a left side going crazy. But those extreme right and those extreme left, they are mentally weak, typically physically weak, either malnourished vegan lefties or just fat, dumb righties. <laughs> Neither of them are outrunning a zombie.